on my resume and he's like hey man like i got this uh i got this like gig downtown blah blah, blah and you know Oh, we're on air. Uh, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much detail. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But, uh, but I didn't. I didn't know where you were going with that, so I told my guy. I got you. But he, he was essentially like, "What's your price?" And I'm like, uh, "You're not gonna like it." And he's like, "You know, he submitted the price to like the HR person. They're like, yeah, it's not absurd.'" I'm like, "Oh shit, okay, so, uh, that's good." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, it's good, man. It's we just out here window shopping. You never, never underestimate, never undersell yourself, Gabe. That's their job to do." But but you know what I mean? Like, I just got like a nice bump yeah. at my current gig mm-hmm. and i was like i'm like very happy here okay to an extent you know yeah so it's gonna take and, a good- and and then i was like well listen like five or ten ain't gonna make yeah. me budge yeah we do 15 or 20 and we can have a serious talk about this and he's yeah. like all right y'all we'll see what they say and, and he's like yeah they're not like opposed to it so oh. let's go and i was like oh oh shit i didn't th- i thought like I thought we were going to be done here. You're going to leave me alone. <laughs> Was not expecting this conversation to continue. But oh, okay. Hey, man. Get, get Dude, your money, man. The, the worst part about my field is that they'll give you tests. Like, it's very common to, like, go in and they call it, like, a whiteboard test. So, there'll be, like, two or three guys there and they'll be like, oh, solve this problem. You got to do it on the whiteboard. You got to, like, pseudocode it. Mm-hmm. So, not, like, real code. Yeah. But you kind of, like, your logic and your steps and stuff. Sure. And I hate it so much. And, um, like, a variant of that is, like, a take-home, like... Like, here's an exam, and yeah. you got, like, an hour to complete it or whatever, right? Huh. And I hate that shit so much because it feels like school. All over again. It feels like school, but, like, I woke up. I didn't put any pants on. I didn't <laughs> study, you know? Yeah, for sure. Hey, man. Well, I guess it's kind of the nature of the business that you chose, right? Yeah, I mean, nobody put me in this position but myself. So Correct. I got to deal with it, but Absolutely. it's still one of those things, you know? Uh-huh. I feel you. I feel you, man. All righty, man. Oh. Hope I got my tech deck with me. I'm good to go. Oh, you got a tech deck, huh? Yeah, I was looking through some uh, some boxes of old stuff, and uh, I found this one. Oh. I'm sure there's at least two or three more in there. I'm sure. I'm good sure. Stuff. I got. I still got the ramps and stuff. Hey, maybe I'll bring those over next week, and we can have a nice. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what we need. Just we need more skating and slamming. More, more childlike wonder in this room. That's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gabe, are you ready? Yeah. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 139. 139. Oh, yeah. We are back on a cold night on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Jacob. And with me today, as the usual, I got Gabe. Gabe, how you, doing, bu- how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, we're, it, it's like definitely a different vibe. And I know we've talked about this on podcasts before because we switched from like, uh, what was I think like Saturdays it was originally and then we yeah. switched like a Sunday evening one time we're like yeah man it's a very different very somber mood yeah well, that's a, a little different appeal and it doesn't help the fact that it turns fucking dark at 4 o'clock now so that doesn't I help. don't hate it I don't love it you know what I mean I mean I, I have mixed feelings about it I mean it definitely gets that winter feeling I was telling Adriana that the building is starting to smell like peak season mm-hmm. and where it's like cold wind mixed with dirt and, and slush and wood you know yeah and like you know it's just conveyor belt, you know. Man, I wouldn't mind the darkness if it was like sixty. I think that's like, like that fifty to sixty. I think is like ideal for me, man. That's like my temperature. Well, unfortunately, we don't get to control how the world rotates around the sun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it is what it is, and we've uh, for some odd reason out of all the places in the world, our parents have chosen to, st- to stick us in. Well, more. I know why my parents well, chose it. I don't know why the fuck your parents. Why? Chose why it. did your parents choose Chicago? Did you know that Chicago is the 
second largest city that is Polish speaking, right after Warsaw in Poland. For real? Yeah. Think about that. Chicago is the second largest Polish speaking city, right after the capital of Poland. Really? That's weird, huh? Even including any other city in Poland? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's crazy, huh? Well, they picked here because we have a lot of like family down here, okay. and I'm sure they came over because they're like, oh, all the other Polish people are coming over. For so. some reason, they keep having their, like, everybody keeps dropping off their shit I mean, dude, you, you, you used to you know trot through Burbank. You like, count how many fucking Polish delis you see on corners. I think yes. I counted six one time. That's true. Just off the top of my head, I could probably name you like six. Interesting. I didn't know that. I legitimately did not know yeah. that. So I, I, I thought that was a fun fact. Well, I think that's the upside of having a major city. But again, you don't. It's not exactly like you hear like a large, lively population in like New York of the Polish people, right? You know, I was actually thinking about that because uh, when I was in New York for the Every Time I Die show, I came across some. Uh, you know, I didn't like talk to them, but I overheard some people speaking Polish, and I was like, "Yeah, that is weird too." That there's like Polish people like all over the world and stuff, and I was like, "I wonder why they choose like New York over like Chicago." You know what I mean? Like, what oh. is your yeah. deciding factor? I wonder. I guess like. I don't know, maybe our idea of like Barcelona or like London or whatever your favorite fucking city that's not in the U.S. is, right? Uh-huh. I'd imagine that a good chunk of European people, that would be something like New York yeah. or Los Angeles, right? I'd yeah. imagine that those two would be first pick. Yeah. Chicago and then probably like Austin. Houston, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd imagine that's a pretty good like pecking order for the things. Philly, maybe. I don't know about Philly. If you're trying to get mugged, then yeah, let's go to Philly. I mean, but you can get mugged in Chicago, you know? The difference between getting mugged in Philly is that they don't care. If you get mugged in Chicago and you're like, hey, man, I grew up on like 32nd in San Francisco, they'll be like, dude, my fucking grandma grew up there. They're going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, right. That's They're going to be like, just give me enough to hop on the bus and I'm going to leave you be. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the difference between like getting mugged in Philly and getting mugged in Okay, the sure. City. Sure. Sure. Okay. That's fair. my life lesson for the day. How was your week, my friend? Hey, my, my week was all right, man. Um, got some uh, pickups at work that were frustrating. Uh, I'm just counting down the days until my year in position is up and then on to the next because starting to grind my sanity a little bit, just a little bit. Right. Uh, which is okay though. It's that, a, that's when you know you're good at something. That's when you know you're really good at something or really bad at something. So mm. I think it's a good indicator of where you stand. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, uh, and I'm just, I'm just ready to do something new. Uh, but that's just me in a nutshell. I'm surprised it actually took me this long. I had like a, um, like a, a crisis of conscience. Uh, a couple months ago with it because I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is I'm, I'm, like, I started to get sick of it and then it kind of simmered down. But now I'm like, well, worse. I think it's very natural for your line of work because I think there's a point in my career and uh, actually I'd say most of our coworkers' careers where they're like, fuck this place. For sure. And we were actively looking, but I mean, you know how it is leaving an abusive relationship with like <laughs> UPS or FedEx or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, dude, in, in retrospect, and I, I don't know if I've ever talked about it, um, you know, at length, but like, I learned a lot at UPS, and I wouldn't mind going back if the price was right. I, I totally understand, and yeah. I'm in the same ballpark. Until yeah. I get my hands tattooed, then we can't go back. This is true. You know? Yeah. Um, so we'll have to wait and see one day, but that is what it is. But, yeah, man, other than that, the week is the same old stuff. Um, we had Pops for dinner. Pops is that local, like, um, you know. Yeah, I know what Pops is. Yeah, burger joint down the street. And we got Elisana, uh mini, uh, what's it called? Oh, my God. Uh, mac and cheese bites. Okay. So it's basically fried mac and cheese, you know, together. And I'm like, oh, you know, how good can it be? I actually threw one, my threw right. one down, and I'm like, holy shit, that was, that was that was really good. That was really good. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, so we're we're, we're back for episode 139, and let's just go ahead and wait. Before actually, before, um, I'm 
obviously I was I was telling you recently how I've been looking back and through the archives, right? Yeah. Because I'm I'm planning on doing uh best like, of a yeah, supercut. Yeah, best of the year kind of stuff. Maybe comp you know a compilation of things for the end of the year. And so I started from the beginning and gone backwards or started going forwards, I guess. And uh, we've got some good stuff, man. On the well, because well, you pointed out to me the uh, what would you sell your gamer tag for, and I re-listened to that. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what you found so funny because you're like, I spit out my fucking water. I don't. I just. I don't like just the absurdity that you believe that somebody would buy your gamer tag. Well, I, I think I stated that I don't think they would. Yeah. You know what I, I, mean? I don't know, but it's it just like I don't because I don't remember the conversation, so it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. Cause again, because you're, you're like the, your justification was like a Nigerian prince. I was like, damn, I don't remember the conversation either. But <laughs> if there was a Nigerian prince, that was my conversation. <laughs> there must have been pretty good. Yeah. So, and I've been uh, looking back at a lot of stuff and. Uh, Gabe said at the very beginning of the year that he was very confident that Risk Meets Razor's uh, album was going to make his top yeah, five. Yeah, look where we are now. <laughs> yeah. They're doing, uh, they dropped a new single, dude, and they're doing like uh, industrial, like shock rock stuff, like straight out of like the late 90s. What? So they swapped from like the 2008 Screamo stuff, like early Screamo days into like industrially vibes. I think it's a good jump for them. It's definitely more personality, but we'll get into that when they drop another EP or another yeah. album or something. But With the single's quite good. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and get into this agenda. Gabe hasn't started this thing yet, but I started it and finished it all in the same day. Looking for Alaska's miniseries on Hulu dropped a couple weeks ago. Gave it some time to breathe, and I dove head first in with my wife. And um, I don't want to get too crazy detailed because I don't know how how deep you want to go when you're done. If you want to do like a full breakdown of this, I will say this though. Uh, I laughed. I cried. And it, to me, it might be one of the, for me, my, the stuff that I care about, one of the best adaptations from a book I've ever seen. Do you like this one better than all the other John Green adaptations? Very easily. Very um, easily? Yeah, because there's very few. To me, all the ad- other adaptations up to this point have kind of missed the mark. Sure. Um, you know, the either the casting being an issue or maybe some of the, what's it called, the chemistry between cast members. Um, you know, just some of the, so maybe some of the stories aren't as well thought out for screen or stuff like that. You know what I mean? No, like, I understand. Some things don't translate as well sometimes. Um, but this, this was something that, um, you know, I've been hyping for years because I, looking for Alaska is probably my, t- one of my, if not number one, number two favorite book of all time. Um, oh, how old were you when you read that book? Just uh, uh, I was sophomore year in high school. So I, oh shit, I think I was too. So we were probably what 15, four, 16? 14, 15, Yeah, probably. Were you were you a younger? Yeah, I was. Okay, younger. I was an older. So you were probably fourteen, fifteen. I was yeah. probably fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. So sophomore year in high school, and um, I read that book in a day. And I don't read books, and I'm I am I don't want to say I'm a slow reader, but I I it loses my attention very quickly. So I had the tendency to like read, reread the same paragraph and over, over and over again because I'm focused on other things or whatever. Maybe I got through looking for Alaska the first time on, you know, in one day. And uh, what this series does, it totally captures the essence of a the, the location. Uh, it's exactly how you pictured it. I'm, I'm the charter school. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100 percent sure it's exactly how you pictured it. It's going to look exactly as he described in the book. Uh, that whole environment has a personality to itself and it lends itself to exactly what I believe John Green had in mind. Obviously he was an executive producer, so I'm sure he had a decent amount of say in regards to what things looked like and sounded like, but man, they fucking nailed the location. Like I said, when, uh, they, I saw the, the, the teaser for it, I was slightly concerned about some of the casting choices that they made. 
that goes away within two episodes. You are nice. you are no longer concerned with who they've chosen. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to say that I think uh, Chip, the Colonel, I think they couldn't pick anybody better. He cool. was he was perfect. Um, honestly, I think the weakest the weakest casting was uh, the per- girl playing Alaska herself. But I'm not disappointed with that because comparatively, she did great. But like compared to how Pudge was portrayed, how the Colonel was portrayed, and even smaller characters like Hyde and the and uh, Laura and stuff like that, they just did such a great job. Anything they've added, they added it to add depth to character, right? So they did add a few things here and there, some plot lines along the way to kind of keep you more emotionally invested into these characters more than you already would have been. And it added so much layers to these characters. It is, they did such a great job with it, dude. Like, uh, like I said, by because it's eight episodes long, by the time you know things go down, I was crying my fucking eyeballs out. I couldn't take it. Copy that. Yeah, and uh, it was so good that I want to go through it again like soon. So um, good stuff. I would definitely recommend it. So far, it's probably the best TV screen-related uh, media that I've seen this year. Um, again, that might be due to the personal attachment. Y'all can tell me that on Twitter if you want. But I'm sh- from what I'm seeing, a lot of people are also behind it. Good stuff. Um, I'm glad to hear that because uh, I think we both kind of had issues with Paper Towns. And, yeah. Um, you know, Perks will be in a wallflower. Uh, that wasn't. Him. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other one. Uh, uh, Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, there we go. I I didn't love it and hate it. I was kind of neutral about that one, but yeah, Paper Towns missed the mark for me. Yeah, and I also hate that book because I had a friend who like totally ditched, like not not even like stopped hanging out with us. Like he literally left town because of that book. Really? Yeah, dude. It was wild ass story, and I'm, maybe I'll you know tell it one of these days. Yeah. But uh, looking for Alaska, dude. There's just something special about that book, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think we're both big suckers for the coming of age stuff, and I'll have to yeah. look into that. But uh, my kind of comment here is uh, Battle of the Originals now, dude, because Netflix has been the king so far. Yeah. But now Hulu, um, I want you to watch uh, there's a Hulu original called The Act. Mm-hmm. And um, is that the Devil Wears Prada album? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, <laughs> it's number five on my. No, um, The Act is uh, is about this. Mom who convinces her daughter that she's disabled and all these things, but as she's oh, growing up, she's okay. like, I'm, "I can walk and I don't need all these things." And and so it's like a, it's based on a true, true story. story. Yeah. And watch that. I think that's six episodes. But I thought that was also a banger of an original that Hulu cranked out. Really. And I want your opinion on it, and you know we can kind kind of trade here. I'll watch this. Looking for Alaska. Watch the act. Yeah. But I- yeah, dude. Because we got that, and then. Disney Plus on the uh, I almost said Netflix Plus whoops Disney Plus on the horizon with like all their big stuff yeah man Uh, like I said it might be some of the best original well original quote unquote content that I've seen so far this year it's just so good and we've had a lot of good stuff on the TV from American Horror Story 84 to Stranger Things earlier in the year to this stuff man Um, this shit this shit is gold good year for media yeah absolutely so that I will 150% recommend uh, if you were even a slightly slight fan of the book, you're going to absolutely love this because it just totally captures everything that you imagined in your head. And it's even better in a lot of ways. So awesome. Check it out next up. So they've uh, a couple of casting notes on the new Batman. Again, we've been kind of announcing these things as, as we hear them. Right. Because, you know, I think this is something that maybe not less of you these days, but me that I follow very closely because it means a lot to me because it's Batman. Uh, we have a new Harvey Dent. Have you heard? No, I have not. Matthew McConaughey. Perfect. Love yeah. it. 10 it's, out of 10. It's a wonderful choice. It's an excellent selection. And uh, an added note from something that we previously reported, you and I thought that Andy Serkis would be playing Clayface. That's what we had thought. He actually got cast as something else. What did he get cast as? Alfred. Huh. 
Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. Are we getting a younger Alfred, I guess? Well, younger in You're, comparison to... Yeah, a younger Alfred, but we're getting a, kind of a younger Batman, too. Cool, co- cool, Comparatively. Cool. Speaking about younger Batman, uh, for those of you who live near Target, so probably most of you, yeah. uh, Batman Beyond, they have the full collection and a nice little pop all included for 80 bucks at Target. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. This is steel. And it's cool because the pop box is all like blacked out. Really? That's super tight. I've been seeing those pop up here and there, but I love it. Okay, very cool, very cool. So yeah, Andy Serkis as Alfred. I think yeah, again, you and I have mentioned it. Every single choice that they've made, deliberate is precise. It's yeah. been like a surgeon, man. Yeah, they they know what they're doing with this project, and I know I wrote it off immediately. You two are lesser lesser extent, but I'm gonna have to check this out. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, we all know that an all star cast can't save a poorly written movie, as we saw with Suicide Squad and mm-hmm. uh, you know Justice League and a couple of other. Movies we've seen, but I will. I would say that out of all the ones that this, we, this is the best, this yeah. would be the best. I agree with so you so far. Yeah, I agree with you. Same sentiment. We'll see when it comes out, and we'll give our opinions on it because that's twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one, I believe. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe yeah. I'm just jumping the gun here. Good stuff. We well, have to keep in mind that we're at the end of twenty nineteen already. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. We got knives out in two weeks. I'll have a review out about that. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to okay. go see it. That's very cool. Uh, what me and Adrian wanted to see Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, I want to see that really badly. Do you know the story of Ford versus Ferrari? As far as like what, well, like what you know, what the movie is based on. Yeah, dude, such a good fucking story. Yeah. I love that story, and yeah. I can't wait to see it. On the big screen, yeah. From what, everything I'm saying, everybody's like Christian Bell, give him a nom for you know best supporting actor. And Matt and Damon, Matt Damon, get man, him. that movie must have been a fucking nightmare to film. Yeah, with those two big, yeah, big guys. Those on there. big egos going, going toe to toe. Yeah, I want to see that so bad. It's either one of two things: either it was like very toxic, or it was like the best relationship ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, well, not even that. I heard they're both like super difficult to work with. Well, Damon to a lesser extent, but definitely Bale. Bale, Bale is definitely difficult to deal with, from what I've heard. But. uh you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Have you been seeing this thing circulating the internet with um, Jim Carrey's face plastered over Jack Nicholson's in The Shining? Yes, I've seen that. It's uh, deep fakes, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's that was scary. That was like really good, terrifying. I think I think if they were to ever remake it, that might be a, well, might not be a bad choice. We're not touching The Shining with the remake. Bet it gets touched eventually. Yeah, eventually, maybe when we're dead. That's I fine. I don't know about that, dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so sorry. Another news, horror-related, uh, new Paranormal activities coming out. Great. Which, okay, fine. Um, but they actually gave us some time to breathe because it's been a while since the last one flapped. Sure. So maybe they've given us enough time to miss it. I don't know. I have to start seeing footage on it. On it. Uh, speaking of horror movies, um, so this whole, okay, I, I want to give you my feelings about Paranormal Activity. I think the first two were actually pretty good. I think mm-hmm. that the genre wasn't exploited and oversaturated as it is now. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we always talk about, like, Blair Witch did the whole found footage thing, but Paranormal did this... Uh, what would you even call it? Like a still cam, like a security cam setup. Yeah. And there was something, you know, it's in the same vein of found footage, but it, there was something genuinely spooky where you're fucking sleeping there and shit's going on, you know, yeah. you know, bumping the night while yeah. you're sleeping. And I think that's a whole different level of scariness as opposed to getting lost in the woods and filming it. Yeah. But, um, cause when are you more vulnerable than when you're sleeping in your own fucking in house? Your own right? house. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't feel, I, I have a buddy who got robbed once and he he like dude he could not sleep for a few weeks after I that. bet he felt like I don't know for the violated of, violated yeah, yeah that's exactly it and you know <laughs> I think a movie like that struck a lot of chords with people yeah. but it simply fell victim to the timeless tragedy the, of let's make another one sequelitis sequelitis that's yeah. a I like that we're gonna get that in a big bold <laughs> impact font poster <laughs> and we're gonna plaster it somewhere here yeah we're gonna have a list of common terms we do. Yeah, sequelitis. I mean, I, I think I agree with you. Um, 
I'll give it up to the first three, even though the end of three gets a little cheese ball. What was me. what was the third one? The one in the eighties. Ah, okay. Yeah. But the, like the thing about the the one in the eighties, the third one is that if you think about it too much, it unravels very quickly. Um, so you know, I give it the credit for the spooks because it definitely did have the the scary moments. But as far as the, with the the narrative that they're trying to tell, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. But I would agree for the first two or three. Probably the better ones of the series, and you're never going to be better than number one. Number one genuinely scared the fucking shit out of me when it came out. Like, I was terrified. There's something special about... Did you guys have a basement growing up? Yes. There's something special about sprinting up the stairs out of your basement because something... You, you know, for me, it was The Exorcist. When I saw The Exorcist, I always thought she was going to fucking grab me by the ankles or something. And I think there's something special when a movie does that to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it definitely made uh, some nights restless for me because I was like terrified of all the little bumps and mm-hmm. nooks and crannies that go along in the middle of the night. It was a little, yep. a little creepy. So um, hopefully if they're going to do another one, hopefully they got a fresh idea, a fresh take on it. I had a, I don't know if I ever explained it, but I always had the want or the, the desire for the franchise to kind of go beyond just the kind of the found footage. Uh, route I think after the second one they missed an opportunity to explore some of the characters that were left behind absolutely like, like the daughter because you know all the shit went down and everybody was dead except her and her brother was missing I think you could have took her daughter and put her on the road to search for her brother right and uh, you know eventually being able to find Kate and Katie and the, the the boy out in the woods somewhere I think they missed that mark there was an opportunity there for them to absolutely to explore that route and have her kind of document what she was discovering about the family as far as the background. And, and make uh, us give a shit. Yeah, and make us give a shit about it. Uh, that was like my dream for, for that franchise. But it, they went kind a of... Different more, way. Yeah. Different they, setup, man. They pulled an American Horror Story. Yeah, they kind of just went down a different path. And they kind of just did more of the same over and over again. And, um, you know, even with the spinoff, which is essentially the same story just from a different person but it all ties in um the marked ones which you know yeah uh that one was kind of bad yeah um did you it did have one legitimate scare though when that fucking dude jump off the church and fucking that (laughs) that scared the shit out of me um but sorry god have you ever seen uh the wayne's brothers dropped two movies there's uh, haunted house and haunted house 2 have you ever seen those i have never seen them dude i will loan you these movies because they do a really good job you at bought um, them no i didn't buy them uh. I, I will though because i love those films <laughs> but i'll tell you this right like there's some uh first two three scary movies were like genuinely funny right like yeah. you remember but those like you know aside from i'd say probably three first some two. of the gags yeah first two were pretty funny the third one was kind of well you didn't like the whole alien pissing nah, out of their finger thing no nah. you didn't like the all right <laughs> anyway but like but like those movies did not age well right no, whereas the first all. haunted house dropped i think 2011 2012 but wait Cares more. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think they did a really good job of parodying this, like, the, our wave of horror movies. Like, they did Annabelle. They did Paranormal Activity, uh, where, like, the wife is just, like, up all night and, like, shaking. And she's, like, farting in the husband's face and just, like, these raunchy-ass jokes. And I think they did a really good job of parodying kind of the movies that we watched in our teen years going into our 20s. I give them credit for being able to spawn two franchises off basically the same idea. Yeah. I th- honestly, I think Haunted House did a better really yeah dude i think the i think the jokes in there will last you'll get more mileage out of those jokes than you do with the scary movie jokes really i think my favorite scary movie like 
thing to quote is like, grab my hand. That's my good one. You know? <laughs> that's my strong hand. Yeah. <laughs> and they do the whole my germs thing, and everybody's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> you want some mashed potatoes? But I will loan you those films, and you're going to watch them, and you're going to piss your fucking pants because they're so good. I don't know, man. I have uh, – because they, they have, like, cornered the market on those uh, parody uh, and things that get oversaturated because they did the whole um, – What's it called? Fuck, what was the name of that shitty fucking franchise? Oh, my God. Which one? Oh, my God. Was it another horror parody? No, no, it wasn't horror. It was, um, oh, my goodness. My wife made me see it, the first one, but it was, like, horrible. And it was, like, critically panned, and they had, like, four of them. Oh, my God. What is the name of that? It was a book first. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, let me tell you something about Fifty Shades (laughs) of Grey. So, first of all, it is terrible erotica. <laughs> Second of all, I was in high school when these books came out, and so I I like to think of myself as a literature person. I enjoy reading, right? Mm-hmm. And so I bought the set, and I was like, "Fuck it!" You know, it was twenty bucks. I'll read them. <laughs> I'll read them, right? Okay. And so I I ended up not liking them. But the issue is is that when you loan these books out to women, they never give them back. Mm-hmm. And I'm not upset that I don't have my set back. Like you know, I'm not upset that I don't have the physical merchandise i'm just upset that it wasn't returned i'm more upset at the principle that it wasn't returned returned. you know what i mean yeah and i think i was in that like age range where it was like can i just get my shit back i think i think you're just well i think you're one of 12 dudes who bought those books gabe i I gave it a genuine try Uh because i mean there's something special about erotica i don't think everybody can write it you Uh know what i mean i mean she couldn't either apparently yeah el james could not write erotica but she couldn't write period um whatever dude (laughs) yeah i mean Terrible fucking movies. Too. Oh my god! I, like I said, I saw I saw the first one with my wife on Valentine's Day, whatever year that came out, and um, because we've been together that long, it's kind of sickening actually. Uh, but I remember because we went to Hollywood Boulevard and I sat there and I watched this movie. And about like thirty minutes, and I'm like, "This is horrible." You I'm like throwing up in your mouth. Yeah, I'm like, "What the fuck is this stuff?" And I remember the girl I was sitting who was sitting off to my left was like pissed. <laughs> like <laughs> when, by the time the movie ended, they were like upset. About it, and I told the Adriana, I'm like, just so you know, you're never gonna get me to one of these. Not, movies. not for the next two. Yeah, nope. you're not gonna get me in for the next one. I'm sorry, it's just not gonna happen. And luckily, I stay true to my word in that regard. I, I haven't seen the other ones. Good stuff. I haven't either. Yeah, that we uh, we stay true to that. Yeah. Speaking of good horror movies, um, Scream Two or the new Scream. I don't even know what to call it at this point. Scream 2020. Uh, I've been getting some positive kind of buzz. Scream 2020? The next Scream movie. Yeah, there's a Scream reboot coming around. Like that's a soft w- reboot. Well, yeah, that's, that's what's on my agenda. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So let's just talk about it. Yeah, so um, Horror Icon being rebooted, that is the one that we were talking about. Scream. Scream being up there on my like top five probably easily. Um, and not so much due to the horror because it definitely had the horror aspect to it, but it was just so smart. It was smart, you know, and uh, I guess that they have taken the time to reboot it, you know, with Wes Craven passing away. Um Maybe Forever in our dreams. Yeah, somebody uh, can maybe pull up the mantle and maybe do a great job. I know a lot of people weren't crazy about four. Me personally, I loved it. I thought it was fucking awesome. Uh, I love the cover for four, the knife. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. knife mask. Ooh, I had that poster for uh, in my room, but I fucking when we moved, it got lost in the shuffle. I don't know. It's probably laying around here somewhere, but I have it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's good stuff. Actually, on the very first day I worked at AMC, it was on the wall in the break room, and basically they said, "Well, if it's on the wall in the break room, it's like up for grabs. So you can you so grab you just it. it. You can grab it, and you like just make sure you replace it because they have like a bunch of extra posters laying around because mm-hmm. they just didn't want to ruin the chi of the room. Um, it's like the, like that's kind of funny actually. <laughs> yeah, it was day one. Like it was on the wall. I'm like, give me that, and I grabbed it and I took it took it home with me that day. That's tight. Yeah, my very first day. Yeah, they didn't fuck because like the break. Let me tell you something. 
uh, the quarry, the movie theater, mm-hmm. that upstairs projector room is fucking haunted. It's terrifying. And they had they did it on purpose because there was like a section that goes directly to the projector room that all had like horror movie posters lined up. Jesus. So they did it on purpose just to fucking make, make you uneasy, make you it like uncomfortable as shit. And like, of course, the haunted theater was the room that was the darkest in the corner. It's like, why? Why? All the way. Yeah. At the end of the hallway. Like, why do we not have lights down there? Why, <laughs> why is it haunted? Well, the people are saying that um, like some of the theaters based on the technology, on the sound works um, before the theater opens, it scans the room. Right. Um, to, to make sure there's just so to equalize the audio. Yeah. The audio gets equalized and everybody, you know, the sound bounces correctly. Apparently that one particular theater, they would say that there's people in there when there's not. So that was like the big thing. Uh, and people swear that they've seen people in the, in the, in the hot theaters. I believe it's one through four. One of those theaters. You ever played the haunted mansion video game? No, I'll save that talk for a different time, but, um, scream reboot, get yeah. some positive, positive vibes. Yeah. Uh, not me, but like people that have seen it and are working on it. it oh, okay. So the work, so this work, do we know who's out, who's involved with it? I have no idea. And I don't want to know, honestly. Okay. Because the cast is fucking expendable in those films most of the time. <laughs> this is true. Uh, so me and Adrian were talking about it cause I brought it up to her and she's like, well, is Nev Campbell? I'm like, nah, it's a reboot. You can't really bring Nev Campbell back. Um, oh, I guess you. Probably in a, you, in a different you're role. You're really reaching, but you could. Maybe as an homage. Yeah, like you could put her in a different role, maybe like a teacher or something like that, and who still has like an integral part. But uh, like you can't really recast Sydney, you know. But uh, at the same time, they've done Laurie Strode multiple times from different perspectives. So, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of difficult to recast something like that. So uh, hopefully it's a different take. It isn't like exact carbon copy. Like I don't know if you've ever seen the Psycho reboot with Vince Vaughn. It has a shot-for-shot shot copy of the Hitchcock, the original Hitchcock one. So uh, hopefully they bring something new to the table. I'm sure some horror movie tropes have changed, you know. Um, so I'm interested in this. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Let's move into gaming. You got a review this week. Yeah. So Did you beat the campaign? I watched a portion of it. I didn't get all the way through because I didn't want to ruin it. Um, but it's so good. Yeah. From what I'm seeing, it looks very impressive. What we're talking about is Call of Duty. Modern Warfare. All 2019. Right. Yeah, the 2019 version. All right. Um, like I said, we're going to keep the, the talk when it comes to the campaign very vague because I haven't gone all the way through it. I started to watch some playthroughs of it, and I, I want to experience the rest for myself. So um, narratively speaking, it looks like it's on point. Like you and I, I think, Wolf kind of guess it's going to take a much darker tonality and kind of talk you tell you about the horrible sides of war, which is something these this franchise probably should have been doing for like... They were. It's they horrible. were. We were too young to... To miss it. I can talk for days about the AC-130 mission in Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Um, I can talk for days about that one. Yeah. But I think we were more aware of it now. Yeah. Because we're still within drafting age. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, a lot of like war crimes, things that are questionable uh, that are done in this in the in the in the campaign and overall, you know, like I said, it, it looks like it's good stuff and I'm going to get through it. But I want to talk a little bit about the multiplayer. All right. Uh, so far, um, I'm having a decent experience, about 50 levels now. There is no prestiging system, so you can get up to level whatever the fuck, probably 1,000. Uh, there's tons of options when it comes to your weapon and weapon customization. You can really make any weapon feel like it's yours, and it's different from everybody else's, which is kind of cool. The gunsmith has really stepped up on this particular thing. Uh, but my largest complaint is the maps. A lot of these maps, I, I don't know... It maybe it doesn't flow correctly because it's not the con- traditional Call of Duty construction when it comes to a map. Three lanes, you know, A, B, and C, very easy to cut in half. Um, there's definitely sides favored when you're in the map, which 
sometimes there's that a little bit of that in Call of Duty, but like every map, like there's a side that you'd rather be on every time. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly how to fix that. I know they're starting to their plan is to rotate maps out. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so um, they've already rotated like a like one of those fat like a Nuketown ish kind of map where it's like fast quick and pace. dirty yeah quick and dirty fast pace there's always somebody behind you there's always somebody in front of you kind of a situation um i think it's called shoot house or something like that it's okay um but like the large large amount of complaints i've had is due to the maps i'm not particularly fond of any of them even the ones that i'm like it's okay frustrate me because a lot of the things the most frustrating thing to in a shooting game is to die when it's not your fault you know what i mean and um, there's a lot of that because just due to spawning and how the maps are kind of laid out, you know, um, there is a, a meme going along, going around on Twitter where it's like walking, crossing a street and call it a duty be like, and it's like the guy who kind of yeah, like 80 people spot you. Yeah. Well, it's not even just that. He's like, he's kind of creeping slowly across the street. And then when he finally makes a run for it, he gets shot in the back. That's exactly like that. Um, however, I will say I do quite enjoy the ground war game mode the 20 v 20 no this is the the big the big boy i think it's 32 v 32 jeez in the in the style of battle no, that was like unthought of like 10 15 years yeah. ago in the in the style of battlefield it's you know they have five points across a larger map they got three in rotation and um you know they got airplanes and all kinds of vehicles and stuff like that which is like the weakest point of it because it's not inherently a vehicle based shooter yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of uh, it's kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Unbalanced in that regard because if you're in a, a tank, you're like you you're gonna be do well. You know what I mean? If you stick to the tank, um, but that is probably the strong suit that large scale warfare and um, you know trying to make a dent in the grand scheme of the battlefield is kind of an awesome thing. So I will give them 100 percent credit for that ground war game mode. I think it's it's kind of awesome. Um, hopefully they get a couple more maps along the way. Like I said, they just added one. They only had two. Now they got three. Um, and hopefully they uh, put some thought into these things and uh, do the right thing with them. So you're having a good time? You're having a blast? I'm having a good time. Um, Does it know, live up to the Modern Warfare mantle? No. 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 Okay. No. Um, well, because we all got different opinions on the Modern Warfare franchise, all right? Um, one, being highly respected, among, I think, among the both of us. I think you like two a lot more than I do. What? Modern Warfare 2? Yeah. No. Well, probably more than you. It's not my favorite out of the Modern Warfare. Okay. And three being probably one of the worst Call of Duty games. Yeah, I think we could both agree on it being the weakest in the Modern Warfare. I think it's one of the worst Call of Duties, period. Sure. Honest to God. Uh, next to Ghost, I think it's right there. Uh, but, you know, I, it, it, it doesn't... I, I understand why they chose to name it as such, but... Um, I don't think it, it, I, in spirit it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It's a soft reboot. Yeah. It, it, with that, you know, I give them credit because I think it would have been very easy to kind of just rest on the laurels and be like, well, we kind of made this game already. Let's kind of give it some new bells and whistles. Well, and- they did that two, three years ago, and it came with Infinite Warfare, yeah. which nobody gave a shot, and people were upset about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it would have been really easy just to reskin that, you know, and yeah, send, I send, understand. Out, send out new maps and some new, like I said, bells and whistles and. Send it out there into the world. It's a very different feeling game, man. Just overall, uh, time to kill is very fast. Like probably the fastest it's ever been in the in college. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Uh, definitely not. Um, you know, it's just you got to get the jump on people. That's very important in this game. Excellent. Is getting the jump. Um, so yeah, man. I will say though, man. Um, you know, I, I, as far as where I'm ranking it right now, I think game of the year. 
No, 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 no. Definitely not. I, I already already know my game of the what year. What is though. your game of the year? The cabinet? No, not the cabinet, but probably Mortal Kombat 11. It would have to be for me. Right? Okay, interesting choice. Um, we, we got some time to figure that out. But um, as far as, well, maybe it's like, Kinda, it could kind of count as when the cabinet drop, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good point. But um, I think it's uh, a, a lot of people like the hardcore have like the the honeymoon period with the game. It's like oh, it's the greatest Call of Duty ever, and three months later they all say they hate it. Uh, I'm not. I think it's the other way around, dude. Honestly, I think people initially say they fucking hate it, and then they come back around to it. I think it's I think it's they love it, then they hate it, and then they love it again. Sure. Once the next one comes out, because they realize like oh man, I really miss. This. this aspect, yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's kind of the 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 flow of things. I'm not gonna do that, you know, because I think even with Black Ops Four, I kind of gave it a little bit too much um, forgiveness, love, sure, uh, that was unearned. Well, um, I guess maybe we'll see how often you come back to this, because I think the mark of a good Call of Duty is that you still come back to it two or three years later, yeah, and you still you kind of pick up where you left off. There's no relearning curve, yeah. or there's no kind of feeling newness you know what i mean yeah definitely and i think with like i said with the gunsmith it definitely adds longevity to the game like you'll be able to like i said customize they there's like each gun has like fucking 60 levels or whatever like that's insane little things you can unlock along the way and fit make the weapon fit your style um so overall i am enjoying it uh you know if you guys want to play i'm second city kids on uh you know playstation and uh, if you guys really get that curious and want to play with me on pc uh DM me and I'll get you the number that you need because I guess it's like a number system. That huh, use. Cool. Yeah. Good uh, stuff. Good stuff. So there's that. Uh, overall, having a good time. Next up, Guerrilla Games, right? Uh, they have jobs posting, right? I saw. And, and it revealed potentially, well, one for sure that's being worked on and uh, one that's speculated to be working on. Uh, due to that, it has um, Horizon. Oh, my God. Horizon Zero Dawn I Two. Keep, I keep fu- I always get the order of those names fucked which up, which we think is going to be the launch title for the PS5 or like the show off game. For yeah, the PS5. Horizon Zero Dawn, which I played, loved it, thought it was beautiful. You know, it's good stuff. Uh, haven't gotten back to it in a while, which I may have to do that. Um, you know, since it's a guerrilla game, they they basically said, hey, yeah, for sure. Where the next one, like you said, probably be that show off piece, like the other game that's rumored. Which is um, Killzone, the next Killzone game. Oh my game. god, it's been too long yeah. since Killzone Three. Well, it's, well, you forget about Shadowfall then. You must have. Oh blocked, yeah, you must have blocked that out of your head. <laughs> oh man, and I think there's a PSP. Yeah. Game that came out after that. Yeah. Or maybe it's somewhere in the mix. I think yeah, something like that. Or maybe it was a PS Vita. I can't remember the timeline of the PlayStation handhelds like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, because Killzone Shadowfall was the show off piece for the PlayStation Four when it dropped. So, um, I think and that game fell into obscurity real fucking quick, didn't it? Yeah, dude. I mean, like I played it and it was just very sluggish, you know, um, it was a new console. So, well, even then the franchise was like still beating, Yeah, you know, it was the king, but still beating. Yeah. Uh, I think for me personally, I mean, I enjoyed the time I had with it, but I think it had a lot to do with the fact I'm like, Oh, a new console and look how pretty everything looks and all that stuff. So I had some like rose colored glasses with that type of stuff. Uh, but you know, it was like the first game I sold once I started flipping games. Flipping, out of, yeah. yeah, flipping games out of my rotation. So you know, it's funny how that mantle of show off game went from Killzone to the first Star Wars Battlefront. Do you remember that? Do you remember when that was like, look at the fidelity of these yeah. graphics? Yeah, and it is a good looking game at yeah. the end of the day, whether it's shitty or not, it is still good looking. Well, that was the that was the big mark on uh, 
on the battlefront slash battlefield games is like, oh my god, it looks so fucking good, but then there's these horrible practices that kind of tarnish that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you apply for Guerrilla Games? No, I did not apply for Guerrilla Games, but um, I I'm looking forward to this, man. I think uh, it's it, been five long years. Yeah, and uh, I think Killzone is something that I'm going to be interested in if they find some ways to kind of revitalize it and make it look good. So good stuff. It's good stuff, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. The, uh, next holiday season is going to be mass chaos i'm sure when it comes to what they announced and what's going to go on with that so like i said if the ps5 is truly all the way retro compatible i'm all on board yeah but then you know we well what if the scarlet's completely retro compatible because i still hung on to some of my old xbox games sure so but i think that the five is the big contender at the moment yeah and uh i think maybe if it's not fully compatible backwards i think i might just hold off a couple years like i normally do and let it let the you know, calm down a bit. Let it simmer down. Speaking of which, um, I, I sent this to Gabe. Target's got a fucking hell of a steal for Black Friday. Man, we should, we should get sponsored by Target because that's like the second or third time we shot The $200 bundle? Or yeah. The- there's a $200 uh, one terabyte PlayStation. Slim. Yeah, Slim. Tacked on with God uh, of War. God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Spider-Man, which are like you said. Are the games. It's the quintessential yeah. PlayStation 4 experience. It's like if you bought a Switch and didn't buy Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like you're silly. It's like one it's like the gaming experience on the PlayStation 4, probably the premier number one thing that you think of. The thing that's in the the animation before the Sony press conference, those games are you know are included in that. So uh that's good stuff. Target's your sponsor. Sponsor us Target. Target's also got some uh Switch games I want to pick up uh, for like 15 bucks on Black Friday. Ooh, what you looking at? So there's a game called Killer Queen Black, which is an eight-player like tactical thing. Okay. Uh, nothing like crazy big name because Nintendo likes to stay away from the whole Black Friday ordeal. But mm-hmm. um, I know they got uh, like a bundle for, uh, I think it's like 300 bucks, which is the normal Switch price, but you get Mario Kart 8 in- with mm-hmm. it. So Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, man. Um, not, I didn't put this down, but uh, Arc System Work had a press conference or like a reveal for the new Guilty Gear stuff. Uh, looks good. Yeah, it always looks, looks good. Looks fucking phenomenal. It looks great. You and I won't touch it, but as far if you're one of these days, yeah, may, maybe one day when we get bored, you and I will fucking grab it and throw it out. I, I think for most things, we're very open minded. But for our fighting games, we're yeah. like, nah, fuck it's, that. Is it Mortal Kombat? Did did Ed Boon do it? No. Okay. <laughs> never like mind. those grumpy old. Guys at the bar, and it's like, well, you see, when I was a kid, yeah. the real fighting games was Street Fighter and it was Mortal Kombat. Why you? And if you wanted blood, you went you to from, fucking Midway Studios. Why are you from Brooklyn, bro? <laughs> you didn't grow up in Brooklyn? No, I definitely did not. But um, no, you're right. Um, it looks good, though. Uh, it has, it's going to have a playable demo, I guess, coming out within the next couple of weeks. I guess you could have also went to Killer Instinct because that was kind of big at the time. Yeah. For blood. Yeah. Well, you, you went to both. There you go. Yep. For sure, for sure. But um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. Isn't it weird how we've transitioned from like E three being the big thing to like now each uh, console has their like uh, own showcase, and now like it feels like each studio, yeah. if they're not an indie studio, it feels like they have their own showcases. For well. sure, so weird. Well, that was that thing with, that we talked about. I think about E um, three for the last couple of years that it kind of became like the way to show off your indie studios. You know, like your smaller. Your smaller guys, you know? It, it feels weird decentralizing it because it was nice having it. You know, you watch one conference or one YouTube stream all weekend and you were pretty much satisfied. One stop shop for all your shit. Yeah, but now it's like you got to keep up with all these Twitter posts, all these Facebook things. And it's like, you know, you know, it's kind of harder to keep up with everything. Yeah. Because E3 was like that time of the year where everybody brought their big fucking big guns. You brought the Halo 3s of the world. You brought the Gears of Wars. You brought Fable. You 
Oh yeah, I remember that franchise. Yeah, exactly. Um, you you know you brought your your fucking big dudes. Yeah, you know what I mean. But now it's like Sony. I mean, we covered it. Where Sony was like, yeah, we're we're okay. Yeah, and I was sure. like, what? Yeah, <laughs> Are you fucking stupid. <laughs> Are you fucking crazy, Sony? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of kind of an interesting thing. With that being said, since we're talking about the consoles and stuff like that, Sony has trademarked their next five names for the next console, which is PlayStation Six through Ten. Well I, guess, well, I guess it's five. Yeah, six through ten. PS six, PS seven, PS eight, PS nine, PS ten. I mean, they're consistent. <laughs> you got to give them credit for that. I I have no issues with the names. I don't think we're gonna hit a ten. I think maybe they're just kind of like future proofing it, just yeah. so nobody comes in and snags it. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, that made me think of some ideas off the top of my head. I'm like, worst console names? Can you think of a, a console name? Oh, that was what was it? The I think it was an Atari Jaguar, like two. Two thirty two hundred something like that. Well, they had the the Jaguar CD. Remember the Jaguar CD? I remember the Jaguar CD. Uh, then they had the thirty two X, which was horrible. Uh, let me think. There was because that it's well they had the Atari twenty six hundred, which I don't even get it. I think it was just called the Atari Jaguar. Atari Jag, yeah. Uh, I think then that they went down the route and had like the Lynx, which is like now they're just going down through cat names. I think eventually they had the Panther coming down the road. Or something like that, but yeah. they watch well, all these retro games are gonna come out and fucking like kill us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then you know Atari, I think it kind of takes the cake on all of that because the twenty six hundred, the fifty two hundred. I think there was a seventy two hundred at some point. It's like at what point are you not dealing with like gaming consoles and you go into like PC territory or even like car territory, like the seventy two hundred. Well, I think that's four hundred. I think that's why. Yeah, yeah, because it was so like new. Uh, so I get that. But because um, I was thinking about you know how Xbox changed their shit every 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 year at this point or every generation, spice it up. Yeah, which is it's cool. This you know the game, Nintendo. You never know what the fuck they're gonna do. I uh, I, mean? I have issues with Nintendo's kind of scheme. Maybe maybe it's more so their business practices. But uh, I want to cover. I don't hate the Genesis. I do think it is kind of pretentious as a name though. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but back to the Nintendo thing. Um, the Nintendo DS, the Nintendo DSi, but it has a camera. The Nintendo 3DS, the Nintendo 3DS XL, and then the Nintendo 2DS, which is the 3DS, but you don't, you know, it doesn't flip like what, that. What? What is the, the 2DS XL? What is who? Okay. The two, oh, and there was a DSi XL too. Oh wow! So for the I think seven or eight years that the Nintendo DS series ran, I will. You can't even say that because the 3DS cartridges are different from the DS cartridges. What did SP stand for? Uh, you talking about the Game Boys? Yeah. Uh, the Game Boy SP. What? what super it, portable. Is that what it was? Uh, it was something portable because it was the foldable one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Interesting. Because I don't think that is as obnoxious as the DS line, though. No, no, no. I'm just. I was just wondering because it came to my mind. I think it was super portable. Okay, interesting. But yeah, Nintendo just does. Like I said, you never know what they're gonna do with their console. Well, because now we got uh, we got the Switch and we got the Switch Lite, which okay, fine. Yeah. But I promise you, they're gonna make either like a Super Switch. You know what I mean? Like a better version with like better graphics or you know Super Switch. That'd a be Super f- Switch, fun. right? But then we're going to have, you know, I don't know if they're going to do all the crazy shit like they did with the DS because that was a very different form factor and a very different purpose. Yeah. Um, But I promise you there's probably going to be at least like a, like three versions of the Switch, like a Switch Pro, a Super Switch, the regular, and then the Lite. Interesting. I like the Super Switch though. I kind of like that name. Yeah. It's not bad, huh? Yeah. I like that. You know, the original name for the N64 was the Nintendo Ultra 64. You know that, right? I don't hate it. Yeah, because they were going through the Super and then the Ultra thing, which, like, you know, you kind of get it because it was the NES and then it was the Super Nintendo. And he was like, oh shit. I think it would have been worse if they went from, like, 
the Super 64 to like the Ultra 64 because now you don't know which adjective is the better one. Yeah. You know, maybe if you were like a five or six year old kid, you'd be like, well, both sound really fucking good, but I don't know where to play Mario Sunshine on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? All, all coked up on fucking trick cereal I, I in the like 90s. That. that was funny, Gabe. Um, um, who else got it? So, yeah, you brought up Sega. The Genesis is pretty, pretty I, bad. I don't hate the name. It just sounds like like these dudes are up there sniffing coke. Like, dude, what if we call it the Genesis because this is where real fucking gaming begins? And the dude's like, yeah, give me that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Sega execs. Well, I believe it was called the Mega Drive in Japan, right? Dude, don't don't quote me on that. I think I think it was. And uh there's things that those things are still readily available over there, dude. The Genesis the Genesis. The Genesis Genesis Genesis. Whatever. Uh those are still readily available over there. That's up there. The Dreamcast, like, well, that's a fucking curveball. You want to talk I like about, that name. You want to talk, but you want you want to give them shit for Genesis, but you're not gonna give them shit for Dreamcast. I think Dreamcast That's not is fitting for video games. How so? It's fitting, bro. What about you a cast dream- your dreams on a screen? Because playing video games is dreamlike. Since when? <laughs> well, we grew up with that, you know, when like the 90s and 80s, it wasn't as like mainstream as it is now. You know, it was like a it was like a th- privilege to have a gaming console, and it still is. Yeah. You know, but I'd say it's more widely acceptable financially and socially to have a game console and just okay. do our thing. I give you I give you well, I don't I don't think the Dreamcast or yeah, the Dreamcast I don't think is a is like this totally oddball name, like the Scarlet. You know what I mean? I think it's within the realm of reason. Because games were still this new upcoming fantasized thing. What was am I drawing a blank? Is was there some anything between the Genesis and the Dream Yeah, there was a the the Saturn. Okay. The Sega Saturn. That was they couldn't pick what they fucked? They, they wanted to do bio, biblical references, and then they decided to do planets because I think a Neptune was supposed to come at some point and never did. And then they just said, "Fuck it, Dreamcast." And it's like, okay, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but I just thought I don't know, it'd be fun. But like, like I said, man, you can't get any more simple than just naming them one through whatever the fuck. Hey, man, simplicity is the best weapon. Sometimes yeah, Sony got that, got it up, got it by the ass on that one. But anyways, moving along, EA drops the skate trademark. So I guess so much for Skate Four. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people um, in our age range that grew up playing the pro skaters, mm-hmm. um, and they want another skateboarding game back because we've. I follow a developer on Twitter, and he does like skating stuff, and he's you know his engines are really interesting. Okay, and we saw the uh, prototype on Steam that you mentioned to me a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I think that we're gonna see. Maybe not a Tony Hawk game, but we're going to see the rise of another skating franchise sometime soon. And I promise you it's going to be some indie developer that wants to create the best skating experience mm-hmm. so far. Because there's something beautiful about that arcade Tony Hawk-style feel where you can, you know, revert and manual into every fucking combo for days. But there was also something very, like, attractive about the more realistic down-to-earth of the earlier skate games. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair enough. And I think we're going to find a good combination, a good mix between A and B by some indie dev, maybe like a five-man team, and they're gonna crank out the next generation, the next wave of skateboarding games. I watched. I didn't. I didn't watch it, but I got. I came across a two-hour-long video of this dude breaking down every single Tony, Tony Hawk game. Tony yep. Hawk, not not game level. level. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that too. It's a uh, the British dude, right? Uh, Australian. Australian. But, yeah, uh, and he broke down from worst to best, the best Tony Hawk levels. And do you remember which one he had at number one? I don't remember, no. If we had to take a guess, what would you guess? It was probably from... Give me a game. Thug. 
one yep oh man i don't remember the levels like that you tell me which one manhattan 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 thug one yeah i imagine top 10 was probably filled with thug and thug two thug thug two and and pro skater two pro skater three i believe three yeah um so yeah thug thug had the top two actually had um jersey jersey is, is up there it has to be it was number two and then manhattan was number one uh, I like Slam City Jam. There's a lot of good fucking levels in Thug, man. Like Hawaii yeah. was a lot of fun. He does a review of the Game Boy uh, Tony Hawk game too. I can't remember what his name was, but he was, <laughs> he was like ranting and raving about it. It's pretty fun. Hey, man, it is what it is. Someone's but... gonna come around and nab up that uh, King of Skateboarding Games title. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, um, I think it's something that the culture is yearning for at this point. I, I think honestly, I think Tony understands because they broke it off with Activision. Tony Hawk and Activision were like, no mas. Mm-hmm. I think if Tony funded an indie studio and he like liked what he saw, I think we could see the next wave, dude. I think it'd come sooner rather than later at that well, aspect. Well, yeah, they did that Tony Hawk ask, ask me anything thing and where he was like a video and he would answer questions and it's like pro skater six or whatever. He's like, I'm, he's like, I, we don't, we're not in contact with that division anymore. He's like, the contract is up. He's like, but I'm open to whatever. He's like, I'm down. And so it doesn't even have to be pro skater. Well, because the pro skater name is trademarked by Activision, yeah. and they're not going to give that up. No, not at all. So if we got another line of, oh, dude, like street skater would be perfect, or like urban skate. Yeah, I don't know. I'm terrible at naming shit. Yeah, but for sure. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty of options there. Just put fucking Tony Hawk's face on it. So people will buy it. I mean, fucking Tony Hawk Five proved that. You know, people would buy it. I'm not gonna get into that because it would make us make us upset. But. So, yeah, hopefully something comes along the horizon. Next up, this is actually kind of interesting. So, uh, Capcom Capcom has um, announced that they're going to be adding things to Tekken. All right. Uh, Tekken 7 is still prominent, still around, and still has a very strong comp- you know, competitive scene. And I think a lot of the complaints from Tekken comes about it doesn't really teach you anything. Like there's no like intuitive like way of learning how to play the game correctly. So they have this thing coming out that's called Tekken Tools, and essentially is it's gonna lead you through your characters and matchups. You play in this character against this character. If this person whiffs this, this is how you punish it. So they break that down for you. Like it gives you tips on how to actually play the game correctly right if this person if this doesn't hit this is this is what you counter with not not just telling you this is the time when this, this is, is the what but, this is the button that you use to get in and counter right which i think is just going to make the overall um you experience know, easier yeah, experience easier to learn the game because tekken of all the fighting games we've mentioned this in the past the dance is important when it comes to tekken and it's hard to learn it's not easy and i think they are finding a way to fix that which is kind of awesome also Another thing that they're going to have is um, the ability to replay your games, right? And watch them. And watch them, and then the game will tell you, this is when you should have. <laughs> this is when you fucked up. Yeah, this is when you should have done this and this instead of that and that. That's the probably the best thing they could have ever done for Tekken. Absolutely. Because yeah. we gave uh, NetherRealm Studios a lot of praise when MK11 talked about frame data. Yeah. And uh, maybe even MKX. To a lesser extent, but to for a lesser sh- extent, but MK11 talks sure. about frame data and recovery yeah. frames and mm-hmm. all, and what's in the negative and what's positive. Yeah, and what I, it, and what it even means because you can fi- you can find that stuff; it's readily available. But if you don't know how to read it, yeah, if you're not balls deep in a fighting game, yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, if you're a on. casual that's balls deep, yeah. you know what I mean, and you're not doing your research, you're not gonna know what those things are unless yeah. you have prior experience. Absolutely, I love it. I love everything about it. I'm not a big Tekken guy. We're not big Tekken people, unfortunately, because. Uh, I mean, I think we just made a joke about it, but <laughs> that's the best thing they could have ever yeah. done. Yeah. However, I wanted to mention another thing that's included, not included, but 
in the same kind of vein to teach you the game, the frame data also will become available. However, it's going to be behind a pain wall. Huh. Do you, don't you think that's kind of reversed? Yeah, don't that you, doesn't make sense. Don't you think you should get the frame data and all the extra stuff? I think if you're going to maybe make the entire tech and tools a DLC, because I'm sure there's people out there that don't give a shit or that already know all this stuff. Yeah. And so make that 10 bucks and include the frame data. But I don't see why you would give... It's like mm. buying like a set of tools and not having like a basic socket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a little weird. But I think as far as the health of the game, that was a great choice for them. Great, I think they great revival. Them. Yeah. Knocked it out of the park with that. So with that being said, music news and reviews, because I love saying that shit. Um, you want to just dive right into the rise and bless the fall? <laughs> yeah. You're not okay. Gonna so I got yeah. some thoughts because sure. I think I am a neutral outsider in, re- in this regards because you're balls deep into the bless the fall scene kind of when they were coming out. Yeah. I enjoy their stuff. I don't consider myself to be like a super fan or like dedicated or loyal or anything like that. So I think my objective analysis may be a little bit easier to digest. Um, I think what Bless the Fall did with his last walk was they carved out this really niche sound. And they definitely did the right thing in riding that wave of early metalcore days and the very early, like, hot topic-y screamo stuff. And I hate saying screamo, right? Because that's just such a terrible way to describe it. But they knew what the market looked like. They analyzed it and they said, okay, let's put out these kind of jams. And his last walk did that. They put them on the map and people were saying, hey... Bless the Fall is a, actually a pretty good fucking contender, right? Sure. And then the next two albums, Witness and Awakening, I think they really kind of defined their sound and they made this very carved out niche for the Bless the Fall fans. They're like, hey, this is what we sound like. This is the guitar tones. These are the pedals. Here's what the drummer sounds like. And then the vocalist, right? The vocalist did such a fucking good job at like solidifying that taste and style of Bless the Fall. Sure. And then Hollow Bodies came out. Yeah. And we kind of get derailed totally. Yeah. Because Hollow Bodies isn't necessarily a bad album, but I feel it falls in the category of a bad this band album. You know what I mean? For sure. Kind of how we touched on, honestly, a lot of bands where they try and do something new or they try and maybe tone it down from whatever the last thing was. What it, Whatever it is, it's just not as good as it once was. And they take that approach and they go that way and it just doesn't work out for the long run and for the consumer... And that's Jake's daughter. And she also doesn't like Hollow Bodies because it's a terrible <laughs> Bless the Fall album. <laughs> I don't know. That was my analysis of it. And I, I think we mentioned before we actually started recording, bye, uh, <laughs> that, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Your daughter's so cute. Sorry. I said bye. I was like, <laughs> um, it was kind of a chore past these three albums. Yeah. And even once we got back into the most recent album that you did a review on, was that this year, late last year? Early. It was last year, early oh, last year. Okay. Hard Feelings isn't necessarily a bad album. It, in fact, brings the band back on track to s- the roots, you know? Yeah. It's not an exact revival of what they were doing, mm-hmm. but it's similar nature, and it derives from the early inspirations. Absolutely. But by the time we get there, I'm just so beaten, worn, and abused that I don't even want to finish it. Yeah, for sure. So my, my main thing is that, you know, for the, this guy was going to give a little bit of a history on it, that this was a band that was founded in 2004 out of Phoenix, Arizona, by a bunch of high school friends, right? Um, so that you talked about his last while. Hold on give me a second. Oh, God. Great. Now he's going to put me on air while he takes care of something real quick. But, uh, yeah, so there's actually a lot of bands out of uh, the Arizona area that I think we like and totally forget about. Absolutely. Like, they came up on the scene with, like, I Set the Kill and Grilly Estates and bands like that, Fear and Faith and all that, right? Honestly, like, even, like, The Bled, because that was around that time and For Scary sure. Kids Scaring Kids. They're, uh, they're also out of the Arizona area. Really? In fact, all three of those. Interesting. All right, so, yeah, his last walk 
was like you said, the quintessential kind of screamo band, right? Um, now, I will say that it hasn't aged well as far as production quality. There's I mean, something special about shitty production in the MySpace days. Yes and no. Uh, it's like looking at a museum. You know, like their stone weapons are not as advanced as my, you know, carbon fiber stainless steel katana that I bought at the flea market. <laughs> but, it, you know, you got to realize where you came from. Sure. But I don't know. Uh, the album doesn't sound too great. Musically, it's fine. It does, you know, hits all the strong points. It's a little sloppy, but that was kind of common for the era of the time, right? And like you said, kind of came up with this wave of bands that kind of had that edgy look to them. The early wave of that MySpace yeah. core, dude. For sure. Like it had, you know, the like the Escape the Fates of the World and stuff like that. Uh, I, but I, I truly don't consider the Bless the Fall story launched until after Craig Mabbitt, who became the vocalist of Escape the Fate, left the band, right? Then in the meantime, they toured with bands like Aiden and fucking Elisana and Escape the Fate. Like, they were all part of that little clique, right? But the story of Bless the Fall doesn't launch until, um, oh, my God, Witness, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said, this was a probably a, a band in between album release that was ma like matured like three times as fast. Insanely. Yeah, like it was like a giant step forward as far as their ability to write songs that people care about. You know, Bo Boken came in to a relatively hot LZ, right? Because this was like around the era whenever a front man would leave a band from this scene. And the band would either flourish or yeah. die yeah. right on the spot. It was like a civil war between fans and like fucking YouTube comments and Facebook comments and all that. And nobody could like anybody. Like you can't just like you can't just say, well, I like both of them. But now, you know, I mean, you'd be burning at the stake for that. Comment. Yeah, you get upset. People get upset at you or whatever. Right. And Escape the Fate is a big, a big proponent of that. Right. That that was like the drama during the time period. Um, but Bo came in and, you know, stepped up the game. Right. Um, Witness is a tremendously, tremendously well-rounded album. It showed maturity on every level. It had the brutality that you were looking for from a young metalcore band, because at this point they fully transitioned over to kind of. Not only being a metalcore band, but being one of the premier metalcore bands of the time, right? Yeah. Great A USDA choice beef. Absolutely. Um, the next album, Awakening, is in the same vein of that. It took a couple steps forward as regards to how they write songs. I think it's like I said, it's even more mature than the last album um, because even with um, Witness, there was a little bit of uh, almost high school hijinks. It felt it felt like and sounded sure. like for some certain songs. This one, you kind of got rid of that, and it took you a little bit more seriously, a little bit more brutal, a little bit more violent. The problem being here, um, and you mentioned it, Hollow Bodies came out. Uh, maybe I, maybe ahead of its time, honestly. Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe uh, maybe if they were to come out around the same time of like a wage war or something like that, that we'd appreciate a little bit more. But I also considered it around the time where the Joey Sturgis style of producing started to die. All right, that overly clean, overly produced sound started to go away, and this is where bands like that we liked, like the Devil Wears Prada, started to get away from that sound. All right, and um, well, bless the fall, kind of just like fuck it, let's do it, right? And like I said, we came as Romans. I put kind of in the same category because they also kind of fell victim to that style of production, 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 production. And um, and after that, everything just becomes a blur for me. Um, not like you said, not to say Hollow Bodies wasn't a solid album. It was OK. But from this point on, uh, they are the primary example of you either die a metalcore band or you live yourself long enough to become a, a rock band. But they never did that. Right. They just kept on 
punch, punching out metalcore after metal, metalcore, metalcore, album. metalcore album after metalcore album without very much difference, without very much distinction between one album to the next, and everything sounds the same at this point. There's some good inconsistency in sound, but I mean. Time doesn't stand still for any man, you know, yeah. and you, your listeners want to feel like they're growing up with your sound. Yeah. And for some of us, um, you know, for some bigger bands like we've hopped off of and hopped back on in some instances, you want to feel like you're growing with the band. You want to hear maturity and sound and bless the fall just did not bring that to the table at the time. And yeah. It's really unfortunate because you mentioned it. They were like your skirt steak or they were, no, they were your good fucking steak. They were like your $35 steak yeah. that you ordered. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it was it was funny because when they came up and when they blew Strip up, steak is what I was thinking. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> uh, when they blew up, they was they were like the perfect band for. They were like the introduction to like to your girlfriend to metalcore, right? And I could say that because I did that, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, they has the pretty pretty cleans for the girls to sing along with, but it also had that brutality to it that you or me as a young pick master can get into it and still love it. And you can, like I said, bring the girly along. And that was a part of the, the whole uh, allure of this band is that it appealed to a wider mass audience because of the sound. But the problem is this, you grow up, you know what I mean? And what you're singing about isn't always going to re- relay to the next generation. And it didn't, you know what I mean? They're a lot smaller than what they were five, a six fraction. Years, yeah. Five, six years ago. All right. And, whether they want to want to admit that or not, I don't know, right? Um, people always consider the star of the band the, the lead vocalist. To me, uh, Bo and Craig, to a lesser extent, were always um, window dressing to Jared Worth, who is the star of the band, who was the bass player screamer, right? He was like the heart and soul. He is the heart and soul of that band still. And if Bless the Fall comes out with anything, he's the reason to worth listening to it at all, right? That's my opinion. Uh, and to me, it, it's a shame because... I liked them quite a bit and they were, like I said, the kind of like um, one of the fort runners of the scene for an extended period of time. But like the architects grew up, you know what I mean? August Burns Red grew up. Did they? What? Yes, they did. <laughs> All right. Um, and a day to remember grew up four years strong, somewhat grew up. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. But, you know, they never did. I feel like they're still kind of there and uh, they're trying to cash in. On the 2013 hot topic, yeah, but we're at 2019 hot topic, yeah, and uh, it's kind of sad, and I wish that they would have kind of grown a little bit more. And it's funny because you and I, or me in particular, I always give bands shit for like changing or evolving too much and get too far away from where they were. Sure, but I think this is a band that would have benefited from that. Change is scary, but it's very necessary, and Absolutely. you know sometimes we follow that change, and other times we don't. Um, that being said, uh, what what did you think of this, man? Did you like this segment? Yeah, it's, it was it was a, a, a deep dive. And some of these songs I haven't heard in quite some time. It's been a long time since I've trekked through like the first three albums. Like, And I don't know why, but I got this ghetto like copy-paste version of His Last Walk on uh, iTunes Music. I don't know what. I'll show you what, what I'm talking about in a minute. But When uh, when 590 came out, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But um, like I said, well, right after Awakening... It became a chore, and um, it's something that I don't really like from my bands. I don't want the music to be a chore to get through. So that was my opinion, uh, and that was the rise and fall of Bless the Fall, or the rise and bless the fall, because Gabe wouldn't let that, let that go. Good stuff. So let us know what you guys think about this segment, because um, I don't think we've done like a comprehensive analysis, and you know we didn't go balls deep into like the discography. Well, 
we listened to the discography, but we didn't like, you know, give dates and this and lineup changes and this and that. Yeah. And, oh, they toured with we did kind of an overview, and I think we covered all the points we wanted to. Sure. So let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Absolutely. So, Gabe, I wanted to pitch this to you. Who do you think we should do next? You see, I think it, once we serialize stuff and do it on a weekly basis that's and you get put me it. on the spot, I think that's where we get sick of it. So give me some time to think about it. Maybe let's take a week off. Okay. Or maybe if something comes up during the week, because... Um, you know what I mean? Like when you got when you're put on the spot, you're gonna think of like one of the last five bands you listened to, and you're like, <laughs> "Let's do them." Yeah, true, fair so, enough. So let's give it some time. Yeah, maybe sure. let's give it a week break and and come back because I think there is a good chunk of bands we can cover, and maybe even we can combine a retro review into some of this. Very cool. Because we got to cover discographies, right? Very very cool. All right, yeah, we could do that. Good stuff. Speaking about bands that. Um, we kind of no longer follow. Sure. Bring Me the Horizon dropped their track called Ludens, which is featured on the uh, Hideo Kojima game Death Stranding. There sure. we go. That was... Now, uh, what do you think? Did you listen to it? I did listen to it. Uh, kind of like it. I, I kind of like it too, but it feels very disjointed. It feels yeah, like, I'll give you that much. It sounds like they took three different songs. They're like, well, there's about a minute apiece. Ah, combine them together. Put them together. I like the intro. I think the intro is very like glooming and like, you know, like. You know what I mean? Like you feel like you're getting into some shit. I don't think it'd be a bad idea for maybe them to consider doing more of like an electronic thing. Because I did think that loaned itself better as opposed to the weird indie pop that they're going for now. For sure. For sure. Uh, he's made comments about how he's not going to be doing full length albums anymore. I don't know if you saw that. Um, well, I, I think I saw the comment and it's it's what he said is very so much up to interpretation. And I think that on one facet... It's like, yeah, they could just drop EPs and singles for the rest of their career. They're big enough. They'll sustain it, right? And I think the other facet is maybe that they're not going to be making comprehensive albums. And maybe they're going to be doing like two or three in a row that's like one style. And then two or three in a row that's another style as opposed to it all being produced, mixed, mastered in one way. Okay. So I think that's maybe two different ways of looking at it. Sure. Do whatever the fuck you want, man. You guys are millionaires. For sure. And I don't think they're going to fall out of relevancy unless, I don't know, they pull a fucking last, lost profits on us. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shit. I, I mean, like, really, what could they do at this point? Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> claim the world is flat, or be anti-vax. And I think those last two wouldn't even, like, detriment them that much. I think they might get new followers from that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> they, they would convert people. But I think, dude, like like I said, they've blown up and just there's this big force, whether we like it or not at this stage, sure. that they could probably sustain this size till they want to retire for sure for sure but ludens man what are your thoughts you uh, like this style better i mean like i said i wasn't quite in, uh, in love with it but i think uh there's stuff in there's pieces in there that i enjoy but there's other pieces that i'm just like eh. not, not full bore hate because mm-hmm. there's definitely they've had stuff in the last couple of albums where i'm like no no not, not touching it with mm-hmm. football. yeah uh-uh. so I, I, nothing went that far but um i'm not crazy in love with it. i think ludens it. um it I always knew this, but you know, when you like, there's something that like points it out to you, like a, you know, there's like a, like a point or an analysis and there's like one prime clear example that you're like, yeah. And you find all the other ones. I think Ludens, I was like, dude, Jordan Fish is such a fucking talented guitarist and their guitar tones. Real quick. I got to correct you. Yeah. Help me out here. I'm I'm terrible with names. Jordan Fish is the the keyboard player, not the guitar player. Lee. Lee's the guitar player. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry for the rising. Lee yeah. is so fucking good with those guitar pedals and effects that I feel like 
I don't want to say no two Bring Me the Horizon guitar tones are the same because they probably are, but they do such a good job of distinctualizing themselves. Distinctualizing. That's a new word I just made up on yeah. the fly. Cool. But there, it's just such a good job of, of making them distinct from one another and memorable. You know what I mean? Like all the shit that we had heard of There is a Hell, Sleepwalking, and now Ludens. I think Ludens carries that kind of same weight. It may not be my favorite guitar tone, but it is very distinct and it is completely fucking different from like what most bands are doing these days for sure for sure so good job in that aspect yeah man i mean uh, i think if you're a fan of bring me the horizon and what they've covered up to this point i think you'll like it if you've been on board for this far you're not gonna hate it yeah for sure uh i think that there's enough callbacks to maybe uh get some other the older fans looking back in their direction just for a little bit if anything else i think they'd enjoy the track all righty so i did an album review this week talk to me fit for an autopsy fit for an autopsy the sea of tragic beast uh, now, uh, Will Putney is involved in this, obviously. He All right, so it's a 9 out of 10 for yeah. Jacob, <laughs> and it is in spot number three. No, not not quite, not quite. Now, uh, if we were ranking straight Deathcore albums of the year, then yeah, probably, right? But um, this album is Bring Some Attitude, right? Uh, Fit for an Autopsy is one of those bands that I think are always on the up, right? They're always getting a little bit better every single progression. It's not quite the, the lunar jump. But it's the little steps along the way that, um, you know, that make them sound how they sound and how they progress through, you know, the, their career. And I think this is a step forward. Now, I really, really like The Great Collapse. Right. I think it was even on our March Madness thing that we did. Um, I think it might have made it out of the first round. But, yeah, I think it did. But, um, yeah, this is this this isn't quite that. I think there's some more. I, I don't recall as many cleans being in. A fit for an autopsy album but i will say it's a welcome addition uh, because they don't like there's no point in the song where it's like okay here's where we stop being heavy for a second here come the cleans like no it's very well integrated very well stirred into their mix of their cake you know what i mean so um i give them credit for that it's a solid solid record uh some of the guitar work is just mind meltingly fantastic right um, and of course it's going to be because there's a little putney and he just, you know, that's what he does. But, um, overall I would say it's an extremely enjoyable experience. It definitely had some moments for me where it started to tune out a little bit, but like a breakdown will snap me right back into place. Uh, I basically went through this all yesterday cause I, I've been listening to it and getting through it. And then yesterday I'm like, all right, let me sit down and like focus and get in. And I was able to get into it. And like I said, I never fully lost my attention after that. Good stuff. So I'm going to give these guys. I'm going to give them a seven, right? It's a solid, solid record. Uh, I, I like it better than um, Die Artist Murder's album this year. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I love Die Artist I think it was, less, it was the other way around last time. I agree. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right. And um, they should be proud of this effort, and every time they get a little bit better. So don't expect to see them up there. And this is coming from a dude who like doesn't like embellish deathcore. You know, he'll tell you straight up, like, dude, your deathcore sucks. Yeah. You know, so I think that says a lot because I enjoy deathcore and I didn't even review this album. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I feel like this pocket of bands, <laughs> like, there's this weird pocket of deathcore that I'm very protective of. And <laughs> Gabe, don't touch this. Yeah. Like, keep your Chelsea grin. Yeah. Like, Dieter's Murder and Fit for an Autopsy are in that weird pocket that I just like. That eh. weird, like, red state. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I don't even. We'll, we'll come up with a better name for this pocket of uh, Jake's deathcore stuff. Yeah. But yeah. But um, so it's good stuff. Quick question yeah. for you. Um, sure. 
I have my top five for the year kind of formulating because we realistically have six weeks left. Correct. Six weeks left in the year. I think I have a pretty solid list. I'm confident down to number four. I don't know what's going to take the number five spot quite yet, but I am confident in my top four. Do you have your list formulating in your head? Do you have like a concrete I idea? I do. Actually, I think I have it on my thingy, Bobber. Well, you want to you do a quick cover or you want to just hang off the six weeks? Uh, I don't even know. What do you want to do, Gabe? Uh, I'll leave it up to you. It depends how much you like spoilers. How, how much do you think your list is going to dynamically change for the rest of the year? Uh, well, I think. I, I think. Now, I don't want to speak too soon now. But I think we are out of the forest of getting slapped in an album with a Unless face. Unless some crazy fucking band comes out of the blue. Yeah, I think we're out of the big, the big ones that we anticipated to uh, to kind of take this list. So I think right now it's kind of hard to, you know. Sure. <laughs> I but again, I don't want to speak too soon because, like you said, there might be some weird band that comes out of the world where it's like, oh yeah, by the way, here's the best album you're gonna hear all year. Kind of like fucking um, Silent Planet last year. Not, not, no, we knew that was gonna be good, but like. Then I'm talking about the plot in you, where it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, here's the best album that we. Here's what's going to carry you for nine nine fucking months. <laughs> yeah, about, Holy shit! Yeah, about nine months. Yeah, so that dude, <laughs> that thing planted a baby and carried us over <laughs> until Silent Planet, <laughs> for sure. So, I don't know. Do you want to do it? We could do it if you want to do it. I will tell you this. Well, give me your five and your four. How about that? Five and four. Yeah. Uh. Okay. I'll give you the five and four. Sanction, Spoken Refraction is four. Uh-huh. And Sleep Talk by Day Seeker is number four. Oh, so that dropped a couple of spots. Yeah. So My number four is The Act by Devil Wears Prada. Okay. So that made the cut, okay. which is, you know, to be expected. I'd, I'd say it's a safe bet mm-hmm. in this aspect. And then my number five currently is Sea Space Cowboy, and that one's kind of, I mean, it's number five. So we'll see what happens to that. Sure. But my first three, uh, you could probably guess. Well, we'll we'll talk about it off air because it's not like we're keeping it a secret from good each stuff, other. Good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. We're not keeping it a secret from each other. We're keeping it a secret from the listeners. Anyway, <laughs> talking about keeping secrets, the Falling in Reverse tour is canceled, which is not a secret. What happened? I guess um, the guitar player's wife got like really sick. Oof. So, um, which I think is funny because I think I don't want. Okay, her not getting sick is funny. I think that's horrible, and I hope she's fine. I hope everything's okay. But I think it's interesting because I know he's had like a bazillion guitar players. Could he just tag one of them in? To you know, because we've <laughs> seen it when uh, Keith. Buckley's wife was having complications with the birth, and uh, I think they were playing in Australia or something. Yeah. And then Sam Carter was like, "Dude, let me let me hop in for fucking Werewolf or I think it was Fear and Trembling, whatever the fuck the song was." And yeah. It was, Every time I die, feet, you know, Sam of the Architects. Yeah. So why don't we, you know, there's got to be like a touring guitarist. Well, Sam, Sam Carter's like the guy because remember when when Dyer's murder, his his wife yeah, was he did a lot of fucking he, things. He hopped on tour. For like a week. <laughs> Sam Carter's a good fucking guy. Yeah, man. He just said, give me that fucking mic. We're well, going. Everybody likes him, though. That's like the thing. I've never heard anybody say a crossword from about anybody in the Architects ever. I think that says a lot. Yeah, for sure. So um, what are we talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, he's had a bunch of guitars. So you'd think it'd be kind of simple to tag one in. But maybe in the spirit of things, maybe he wants to make sure he's there for his team. Because let's face it, Falling in Reverse is not a band. It's a person. So, um you know, kind of like Nine Inch Nails is not really a band. It's a person. It's a group effort. Yeah. But it's led by one person, like, particularly. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I give him credit for that because I think it had been, like you said, real easy to, for us to kind of just tag somebody else and, you know, being a good uh, bandmate, you know. So take care of your family, man. Touring isn't easy. Absolutely. Just listen to this next one. No, I haven't listened to it yet. I am so grossly excited for this thing, dude. So Polaris, my 2017 out of the blue hit wonder, 
uh, dropped a new single in anticipation of their upcoming album, which they have no fucking news on. The single is called <laughs> Masochist, right? And um, speaking about growth, let me tell you something about this single. Okay. This is one four-minute track, and dude, it it encompasses everything you you loved about that 2017 album. Kicks it up to 11, and it still fucking shows growth. It's different enough where you're like immediately intrigued by the production and the clean vocals because they're much more prominent in this track. But it still has that whiny Polaris guitar tone and that quick, violent, over-the-head beatdown of the screamer. And dude, it's so fucking nasty. I did 200 flights of stairs at the gym, and I, <laughs> dude, I shit you not, all I listened to was that single on fucking repeat. This is my single of the year. Okay. And this album's probably not going to come out in 2019. They're probably going to do an early release 2020. I'm telling you that thing that thing is going to be insane. Okay. And enough. I honestly listen to this cuz listen to this and then listen to like something off the previous album and you'll hear the jump. Okay. Cuz they're not, you know what I mean? They're not crawling. They it, <sighs> it's crazy. The last album put them on the map, on the on the international metalcore map. You know what I mean? Like a lot of Australian bands do. And I feel like this album it, it, it doesn't feel rushed. Well, this it, from what we heard of the single, it doesn't feel rushed, and I think it's very expertly handcrafted. It's like pairing your cheese and your wine. Sure, you can throw any cheese and any wine together, but the right combination will make it shine even more. Sure, buddy. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Check it out. I think it still slaps. Yeah, I have to. I have to take a listen because I saw like I guess there's a video about it where he almost does like a Jesus Christ pose and everybody. Yeah, uh, something something along those lines. Everybody got upset about that, but you know how that is. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I definitely checked that out. That's interesting. And, uh, I'm sure that they're going to be high in Gabe's list whenever that album decides to drop. Good stuff. So let's talk about an album review. We're kind of late on the album isn't out yet, but it got sent to us. Um, so the band is called that's the sound that ends creation and the album. The album is titled music designed to give you ideas in case you should run out of ideas. <laughs> okay. First of all, let me start off with the title. That is a solid 10 out of 10 fucking title. It's a pretty good fucking title, man. Uh, yeah, so this guy reached out to us, which is kind of awesome. Uh, I think you said it's not quite Davey Muse retweeting us kind of awesome, but it's pretty fucking it's awesome. It's awesome nonetheless. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty fucking awesome. This is a one-man project. A guy out of Austin, or I'm sorry, Allen, Texas, Chris Deering, all right, is a one-man group and this math grindcore kind of, kind of uh, adventure that he led us on, all right? And uh, he reached out and, like I said, took a couple weeks to get this going, but we did it. And uh, first off, thanks, buddy, for reaching out to us. Yeah, thank you. We're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, give, give, give you some stuff here. So what did you think? Okay, so I, I want to start off this review by saying the Dillinger escape plan crawled on ceilings. So bands like this <laughs> and CU Space Cowboy and the callous Dowboys could sprint in the modern day and age. <laughs> he just slapped his fucking forehead. Let me tell you something about the sound that ends creation in this album. I love the title. It's so good. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love the, I love how that's becoming a thing, a weird long title. Yeah. Um, I, there, if there was ever a point in my life where I missed hard drugs, I think this is it, buddy. <laughs> this album does so many things right. And so many things. So awesomely awesomely wrong yeah, in addition that's, that's, to that that's where i was going because yeah. i okay here, here's the thing right and I'm, this is gonna sound super fucking pretentious okay i think on a very surface level if any like if you listen to this you'd be like dude this is just noise right yeah but once you get past that initial kind of jump um and you start looking beneath the surface there's so much intricacies going on it's like looking at a watch 
you know how a watch works. The second hand ticks, and for every 60 seconds, the minute hand moves one. And for every 60 minutes, the hour moves one, right? Sure. Simple enough. But when you crack open a fucking watch and you see all the little gears ticking and moving and the whole, you know, becoming the machine and the sum of the parts are greater than its whole, you really start to begin that, wow, I don't understand shit about math grind. <laughs> <laughs> I love sure. it, dude. Um, I Okay, so I listened to the single um, before we did this, and my initial comment to you was, I don't know if I'd listen to this, but it's pretty impressive. And I yeah. think that was both our sentiment. Yeah. And I listened to this thing on repeat today while I was playing some video games. And I was like, ah, on second thought, I think I might actually really enjoy this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, my biggest thing is that we have a lot of bands in, maybe not the math scene, but the general spectrum of metal and the subgenres come out, do their thing. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of genuine attempts, uh, a lot of heart. And a lot of money, honestly, back behind a lot of these albums. And not every band makes it. But this dude dropped an awesome album. And I think the most impressive thing for me is that it is a one-man project. Yep. A one-man collaboration with himself. Absolutely. And it is not masturbation. You know what I mean? That's insane to me. Okay. Because how many times have you wanted to do something and it's just been you? You yeah. know what I mean? I think that what kept this podcast going for so long is that, well, Gabe's coming over today. We got to record. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There is that initial wanting to record, but... You are your own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And some days we didn't, some days we did. Yeah. But because there's two of us, we keep pushing each other to be better and keep, you know, like one up in each other. Like, hey, check out this band. Hey, check out this game. What do you think about this? And we do good content like that. We push each other to strive. Mm -hmm. And simply because this man is doing that to himself, I think that's the most amazing part of this. Because math grind, I hate math. <laughs> But this this grinds this, this this gives me a new opinion. <laughs> I like it, man. I think I'd give it like an eight and a quarter. Uh, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I gave this a listen to in the office uh, yesterday, and I was just cracking up. I'm like, wow, this guy is relentless. This guy is like, he's gonna gonna be out there to prove a point that he could make some shit that you can't make, and he could do it by himself. While it might take you a whole band to even try to do it. Uh, from every aspect. Like he is like technical on the highest level. His guitar work is extremely technically and well laid out. Those fingers are flying around the fretboard, yeah, dude. It, like I feel bad for his fucking girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> his drumming is the drums are just so fucking pounding and it's almost like a tribal kind of a a, a vibe to it. And uh it's very lively and very and you would think like when you think math or the grind core math grind, you don't really think about lively music. You just think about trying to get there a thousand miles per hour as quickly as possible where this guy plays around it's like the rock and roller coaster right absolutely he slaps you around a little bit right he makes you want it and then after you call and ask him if, uh, if it was good for him too you know what i mean like you got to get that kind of uh century feedback otherwise you don't know what you're doing anyways um what were you talking about oh so this guy did a, such a great job and uh i love the fact that he came to us and um Wanted our genuine opinion on it because I don't know if he's listened to a whole lot of shows or whatever. I don't know how he found us, but yeah, I'm thank not, you for yeah, finding us. Not quite sure how he found us, but thank you, man. Uh, we had a fucking blast listening to your album. I love the little... Um, Dude, let me tell you, because uh, the one thing I hate about this thing is I feel like for the past maybe month, maybe six weeks, we were like... Yeah, dude, this Varials album has really good transitions. And there was something before that one. I think this has my favorite like interludes with stuff because <laughs> that Twilight Zone yeah. one... I was like, dude, this is the song to fucking walk out to. That's what, that's what I was. That's and what, yeah. Start beating on that 50 person room. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, not for sure. Yeah, because I love some of the interludes that he had. He did such a great job with them. And uh, so if you haven't checked them out, I would definitely recommend it. Again, their name is, I'm sorry. The Sound That Ends Creation. The Sound That Ends Creation. 
And the album name is Music Designed to Give You Ideas in Case You Should Run Out of Ideas, which, again, is set to release on November 22nd. You could go ahead and find them on uh, MySpace. MySpace. I just said it. I just actually, <laughs> I actually went there. Uh, on Facebook, uh, it's under that name. All right. And uh, this guy was absolutely fantastic. Spotify and iTunes, all that good stuff. Yeah. A lot of the lyrics were based on the Twilight Zone, which was obviously the Twilight, sh- Twilight Zone shout out. So fucking excellent job. Uh, and I hope nothing but success for this guy. And uh, again, thank you, brother, for reaching out to us. That was that review. That was good stuff. Awesome. Uh, we got some Kevin Lineman stuff. Yeah. So Lineman kind of made some comments. Um that are kind of giving us a peek into his mind. All right. Um, talking about the warp tour. All right. Uh, he said that in a weird way, he's like, when we were coming up, when the tour was coming up, he's like, guys like Bad Religion and Bleak 182 and No Effects, they were his friends. Right. He's like, as time went on, I became the boss. He's like, and that was confusing for him, for him. Cause it wasn't really meant for him to be in charge of things. It was him meant for him to organize this. So his friends could be at the forefront. And he's like, there's, that was like part of the reason why he let the warp tour go. Like he didn't want to be the boss anymore. He wanted to be the, the friend su- again, the friend, the supporter. Right. Also, he's like, there was this level and you and I are Victor are, you know, just as guilty as this. There's this level of tribalism between the genres. And um, he said that he wasn't never about that. It was never about, you know, this music is better than that music. Like that was the opposite of the point for the Warped Tour and why he created it. So he's like, it kind of bummed him out after a while. And I think he said after so many years of kind of dealing with that. And then he mentioned it before in comments. He's like, no matter what I do, they're going to say the lineup sucks. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> Which I, is the running gag. Of yeah. Warped Tour. Every year, you know, the lineup's going to suck. That's what he said. But I think he got sick of that. And I think he wanted you like, you know what? We've been doing this a long time. It's time for this to write off into this. 25 sunset. is a good number to end off on, man. That's a quarter of a century. Absolutely. And uh, well-earned rest, you know? So, you know, I want to kind of touch on this because I think that, in my opinion, at least, right? I think that the Warp Tour was the most diverse group of musicians that we ever got in one, you know, square mile and got to enjoy them, right? But... um you're absolutely right. There is a sense of tribalism because you and I would bounce between monster stages um, pretty much every Warp Tour, right? And then yeah. we'd maybe stray off to like Full Sail or whatever the fuck it was. So one of the smaller stages or, you know, if Beartooth and these guys were on that stage, let's hop over there. Yeah. But for the main part, it was look to your left and then 30 minutes later, look to your right. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you're right. And yeah. I think that, um, I don't want to say the Warp Tour did promote tribalism, but it definitely became that. Maybe not intentionally. Yeah. And maybe that wasn't its purpose, but it was easier to schedule and organize similar bands at similar areas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it almost became kind of like a battle of the bands after a while. You know what I mean? Where I, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. It, 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 to me, it did. I don't know. Especially like those later years, um, that like that mid 2000s era where it kind of felt like it was us and them. Or them and us, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was a weird thing. I mean, I, I miss it, but I understand it. I think him breaking it down like that makes people understand it a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, he was a guy who worked, who busted his ass in clubs in L.A., right? And who was like, you know what? These group of bands that I really enjoy, let's just go out and fucking do it. Let's just fucking let's go out there and see if we can make this work. And he did that and for twenty five years. For twenty five years. For twenty five years, this man did not have a summer vacation. Yeah. That is insane. That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, well, thank you, the Warp Tour. Thank you, Kevin Lineman. Um, I think, you know, we mentioned it's kind of sad that your daughter is going to grow up, that your daughter and my kids are going to grow up without a Warp Tour. 
but I think it'll be something to talk about. I think that it's going to be one of those like Christmas stories where we sit by the, you know, by the fireside and your kids are listening to like early bless the fall and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you're like, daddy, tell us again about that time you saw him at warp tour. Yeah. And you're going to have that teardrop in your eyes. <laughs> well, listen up, you little shits. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, man, it's something beautiful, but we're here now and I'm just glad to have been a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, so with that being said, I would say that was a uh, that was episode 130. What was it? Again? 139. 139 of the Second City Kids podcast. We will be here back next week for episode 140. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, it's it's crazy to me that we did 101 as the first episode of the year, because mm-hmm. even that feels so distant. Those conversations we had. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's good stuff. And we'll be back in the meantime. Yeah. But. Uh, my week was great. Thank you for asking, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I did, didn't I? <laughs> no, you didn't. I didn't ask you? Really? Really? How was your week? <laughs> Just ramp it up. All righty. So, that, again, that was episode 139. We'll see you here next week for episode 140. But until then, folks, deuces. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces. Deuces.